From BYU Broadcasting's Performance Studio, this is Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Today we're honored to bring you the Lee Trio, an award-winning piano trio made up of three virtuosic performers, educators, and sisters from San Francisco. Originally, at least, we'll hear more about the places they've gone since. The trio is in Utah performing as part of the Chamber Music Society of Salt Lake's concert series. The Lee Trio is currently recording the complete Beethoven Opus I piano trios, as well as the complete Schumann trios. Today, we'll dip into that well just a bit and even hear a piece commissioned especially for the ensemble. The players are Lisa Lee, violin, Angela Lee, cello, Melinda Lee, Masur, piano. And between them, they're graduates of the Curtis Institute, the Juilliard School, Yale and Harvard, the Guildhall School of Music and Drama, and the Music Host School in Hanover. They've excelled in competitions and concertized throughout the U.S., Europe, and Asia. And in addition to performing, the trio devotes time to teaching and giving master classes and often collaborates with living composers. We will definitely talk about that. And they have some very enthusiastic young fans we saw on their website from their school outreach programs, not just fan letters, but letters saying, You rock! Letters with at least 15 exclamation points. We'll begin with the Lee Trio performing... The Piano Trio in C Major by Joseph Haydn. Thank you. 
Piano Trio in C Major by Josef Haydn. We've just heard that performed by the Lee Trio. Beautifully, beautifully performed. I'm going to be speaking in just a moment with Lisa Lee, violinist from the group. That just seemed like perfection to me, Lisa. Or, or, uh, thank you so much That's for coming. That's a strong word, perfection. <laughs> I don't know if you're sweating, but you just make it look so easy. Thank you. <laughs> That's all those years of practice, I'm sure. I'm still going. <laughs> Well, listen, I wonder if you'd t take us back to the fall of 2002, the night the Lee Trio actually had a professional debut at the Wigmore Hall in London. Do you remember that night? And do you remember thinking, how did this happen? Or what were you thinking? Like, we were meant for this? Or, oh my goodness. That was a long time ago, Steve. <laughs> You're asking a lot. But, okay. I, I, I'm thinking of you as little girls. <laughs> playing instruments growing up, and you must have played together at some point, yeah, so just we, sort of because you were we, in the house I together. I think we grew up playing, you know, for fun together at family gatherings and uh -huh. reunions and during the holidays, not always by choice, um, but then... Well, that's what parents are for. Exactly, and I love them for it. <laughs> so, um, but I think, yeah, around 2000, the early 2000s, we um, just started discussing more together about playing together. And since we weren't seeing each other all so much, that would be a good reason to get together. And so I think it was Angela, was it Angela that had a, sorry, um, a contact in London and, uh, they invited us to play in, at the Wigmore Hall. And that was, I guess, our first official kind of concert as a trio. Um, personally, I, you know what? It's, I just remember being really jet lagged and like <laughs> wanting to just pull through that Brahms, you know, as best I could. I remember the program, but um, <laughs> oh, it was jet lag, oh, I guess. So, thanks. <laughs> the sisters are helpfully chiming in that it was not Brahms that evening. Okay, so. see how jet lagged I was. You know what I mean? We've established that. So I'm just wondering, how, how must it feel uh, having played together? Now, obviously, each of you are excellent, excellent players. You have your own careers. You could take off on your own career, and you do. You play many in, in ensembles, other opportunities separately. But it must be thrilling to come back now with, with the experience and the technique and all play together. Definitely, and six kids later. <laughs> yes, that's a big difference. But... Um, you know, with with time and just life experience comes just hopefully maturity and, and interpretation and just also growing with your instrument and, um, you know, music itself. And I think teaching is a great tool and we learn a lot and it's a gift to be able to work with kids and teaches us really what in the world we're doing with our own instruments. Um, for sure, it's it's nothing but mostly joy and um, deep blessing. Yeah. <laughs> well, this goes way back in your family. Your mother, Ruth Lee, was an immigrant from China and, and from Hong Kong to the U.S., and she taught piano at the conservatory. So did she ever have some secret plan that you are now fulfilling, or, or would she, was she surprised when this happened? She if, you, if she were here, she would say, no way, Steve. Are you kidding? I didn't force my kids ever. No way. But um, I think it brings her... I think it brings her a joy that she never probably could have imagined when she can hear us. She really r rarely actually gets to hear us. Um, and, and she's always, you know, right before we leave, or I just saw her because she takes care of my son when I leave, but um, she's like, just think of this time as a rare chance to spend with your sisters. You get to know each other better, and you're all going to have each other when you're old, you know, things like that. So... Um, <laughs> I don't think it was her secret plan. In fact, I remember her saying, you know, you don't have to practice once you leave this house to college. Of course, I went to a music school, so I had to practice. Sort of built in. Yeah, it was built in. <laughs> well, let me ask about some projects you have. First of all, she's got to be just bursting your buttons, busting her buttons with pride when she hears recordings or, or sees video of what you do. This is this has got to be exciting for her. But you have some projects in the works recorded as a trio, the complete Beethoven Opus One piano trios, and also the Schumann trios. What made you pick these particular ones? Okay. Um, I'll let one of my other sisters answer Beethoven if you come back to the question. But for Schumann, I think for sure they were immediately heartfelt gems that we all three connected with when we first played. That's right. We played Schumann F major at Wigmore Hall. <laughs> <laughs> It was a no-brainer to program a Schumann. And at that point, it seemed to us that it wasn't, 
actually all that played so often around. But I, of course, you know, anyway, the more we got to know it, the more we realized there are other recordings out. But um, I think then we just we were like, wow, you wrote three of them? No way. So we kept looking at more and more movements throughout the years and just finding incredible depth and profundity in every single note and movement. And it just, you know, it breathes the entire scope of the human emotion. And it's an international, you know, kind of, it reaches out to to every every part of your body and, and soul. <laughs> we'll let you take your place. We're going to actually hear some Schumann performed by the trio. I do have to say, Lisa's violin is modeled after a particular Stradivarius named the Allard, probably named after someone who played it. So we did ask her if she has named her violin. She said, Barnabas. <laughs> and I don't know if she named it for just this occasion or if that was a, 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 re <laughs> a recent addition. But we're going to hear the second movement of the Piano Trio in F Major by Robert Schumann.
The second movement of the piano trio in F major, that's Opus 80 by Robert Schumann, a piece that will be recorded on an upcoming album of Schumann piano trios. I mentioned earlier the personnel, Lisa Lee, violin, Angela Lee, cello, and Melinda Lee, Mazur piano. We'll be speaking with Angela Lee. She performs on a 1762 Galliano cello from Naples. And I'm sure that over the years you've had various cellos, and yes, probably right. each of them have something that you you love about them. Why has this become your performance cello? Wow. You know, finding a cello is harder than finding a spouse <laughs> <laughs> or finding any instrument that, uh-huh. you know, is going to be your life partner, I think. But um, it it really, it took a long time to, mm. I mean, several years. I, I was playing on... Um, different cellos uh you know as a student i had a student cello and then you just kind of upgrade uh as you go along and um so is there some sort of underground network i mean is there like a match.com of musicians and instruments (laughs) where you can say i need something with a warm mellow tone it's not as it's not that easy right yeah how Um, how do you do that? no i mean you know there's there's beauty in in every instrument that's mm-hmm. crafted and um it just takes you know when you hear something and you think oh yes that's that's the right voice for me mm. um and i think that's probably what happened i i at the time when i got this cello i was living in in denmark but um 
I, I found this in a shop in London and um, just, it, it just was the right size and, you know, it was in the you right knew. price you range. Knew. Yeah. So <laughs> I, you know, I've had it for about, I think 13 years now. And wow. so it, it really has become Interesting. You said you find the right voice because my comment I was going to make to you is some of those parts on that movement you just played, the cello parts, I mean, they really are singing, even if they're just bottom, bottom, just two note phrases. But they really sing just with the dynamics. Yes, you know. Beautiful. So just <laughs> well, I was you. going to ask about uh, Lisa said as we played some of the pieces and other Schumann, we started to find some depth in them. And I won't, mm-hmm. I also wanted to ask about depth as a musician. When you mm-hmm. play a piece over and over and you really get to know it, what is the depth that you're finding? Is it just a you find a way to express the emotion? Yeah, so of course, you know, when you when you learn a piece, when you're still a student and or, or just before you've lived life and, and mm-hmm. it's just you, you come back to something over time. And of course, your own life has evolved. And, and as as people, I mean, each of us has grown and gone through hardships or whatever, you know, just we've had our own kind of personal growth. And, and you think when composers wrote these works, they were expressing what they were going through as well in in life you know just when you think Mm. of Beethoven opus one for us that it's like you get to see he's fresh he had just arrived in Vienna and he was trying to make um those trios as were his calling card Mm. you know to establish himself and and so I mean Yes, over over time, when you play something and and you think, oh, okay, I understand a little bit more. I mean, I've um, delved into the historical background of things, and and so you you perceive things a little bit differently, and certainly your interpretation is is going to be different, or you know, that's that's what keeps it fresh. I guess that's I where you become mm-hmm. an artist, learning to do that, not just having the mastery of the notes, but. No, it's it's really not about the mastery of of the notes. I mean, I think that that itself is is a struggle, but uh, um you know, it's it's just about feeling that you've you've understood, you know, that over time, hundreds of years ago and even now, I mean, humans we go through a lot of struggles, but but yet there's this sense of um triumph or redemption at the end. You know, there it's a story and and you feel like um when when composers write these works and you're you're going through their life with them you know and and sometimes it's not a happy ending i mean some some of these have tragic um kind of a down uh, a downer <laughs> ending or something but i think somehow by having uh been able to experience these as as sisters uh, you know we we come to understand and be supportive of, of each other in real life too right yeah, yeah, right so. well on your website which i should mention is the lee trio l-e-e there was a tab called memorabilia and so of course we thought oh this must be the mugs and t-shirt section but it was not <laughs> no, there's no shop <laughs> there's no <laughs> shop not selling merchandise there. <laughs> and uh, but it had some wonderful wonderful things there including pictures that kids had had colored after hearing you play yes we've uh, been we've been showered with a lot of things just you know we never <laughs> well i love that that's what you picked yeah, just... picked for your memorabilia page that it was connections with fans because some of them are in crayon mm-hmm. they're from kids but others mm-hmm. are sketches for instance artists who who sketch you while you were playing mm-hmm. those types of things and i just love that connection with the listeners as well that was pretty cool so mm-hmm. i have one more question because we do want to hear from a piece that was actually written especially for you, Fern Flowers by, do you say, Ulyas Pulkis? That's right, Ulyas Pulkis, a Finnish. Finnish composer. composer, So tell me about the creation of this piece. Uh, When you commission something, do you say, surprise us, we like your work, or we're looking for something with this mood? How does that work? Um... Usually, if if we're commissioning a piece, you know, by a composer that has never met us before, um, you know, we we find common ground. He, I mean, they they might say, "Oh, we'll just list some of your favorite composers," or "What mm. what are some things that inspire you?" And then they'll listen to some of that, and they say, "Oh, okay, I get it." Or you know, we always say, "Well, we want to play something that audiences want to hear more than just once." You know, they want to <laughs> say, "I want to hear more of you." Right. Um, 
So that's uh, we keep we keep that in in mind. I think in this instance with Ulias Pulkas, we met him. Um, back in 2004 in Finland when we had entered a competition and he was the composer to to write the the newly you know the required uh new work that that chamber mm. groups had to play and and so we had kept in contact with him over the years we played that piece we um, um gave the american premiere of his of his piece uh in 2006 and so you know fast forward <clears throat> many years uh we had a chance to to work on a program um, to celebrate Finland, uh, and and so we we thought of him again, and and so that's that's sort of how how this came about. Well, I am thrilled to hear this. Definitely will be a premiere to our ears here. If you want to take your place, we're going to hear the first movement of Fern Flowers. This is a new work written in 2015, especially for the Lee Trio, and they performed the world premiere at the Chelsea Music Festival that same year. Again, a reminder that we are listening to Lisa Lee violin, Angela Lee cello, and Melinda Lee Mazur piano. Thank you. 
The first movement of Fern Flowers by Finnish composer Ulias Polkis. That was a work written especially for the Lee Trio, which they premiered at the Chelsea Music Festival in 2015. Melinda Lee Mazur is our next artist pianist. You're a Steinway piano artist. Thank you again for coming, all of you, to, to play for us. This is just thrilling. You have definitely left us wanting more than just that one movement of that work. Oh, good. That's the point. <laughs> has, yeah. it, has it been recorded? It hasn't been recorded. And, um, yeah, we're talking with Ulius about doing it. But it was such a beautiful piece and so well-received um, this summer. So, yeah. So I understood you might go back to Finland to record it? Um, possibly, Yeah. We're it makes it of... an authentic finish piece. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> then we'll have to go to the sauna after together. <laughs> well, beautifully, beautifully done. And you do have a relationship that you've established with various composers that you have commissioned works. You've uh, Jane Antonio Cornish's mm-hmm. Duende, music from Ulius Polkas, which mm-hmm. we just heard, and others. I, th- I think that's... What is it about getting new works that, ma- that makes you want to do this? I think it's so irresistibly exciting for us to sort of create more uh, more music in the piano trio repertoire. Um, not, not just piano trio, but I think new music is just important. I think people need to know that um, composed music is not just by dead composed people, but <laughs> living composed people. And that's essentially what we play is composed music. And it's just so thrilling to be able to work with composers. Imagine if we could call up Beethoven back then or email him or, you know, any of that stuff. Um, we don't have that chance to do that with them, but with so many, and there's so many talented, wonderful composers um, today, young and old, and it's just always a privilege and exciting for us, really. It seems like educating the next generation of musicians is really part of your mission. And I know your mother was a teacher and that all of all of you teach, but you have really gone out of your way. You've traveled to Ukraine to work and perform for various underprivileged children, you, a Las Vegas school and academy that had never had classical musicians. What is it that you that you bring or that helps you connect with the students when you go to a place like that? I think that's also one of the most fun things we do when we learn that, um, say, a school program um, that we'll be doing will have kids who have never heard classical music. I mean, it's rare today where a kid has never heard classical music, but there are cases and it's exactly those fresh ears that we yearn for when we sit in the concert halls ourselves and listen to things. So it's not that hard to relate to, you know, um, you know, some of my sisters, they were talking about how we experience the music. It's a living thing when we play it and then it's done. So, mm-hmm. I mean, as we experience when we watch theater or anything performing arts related, um, you experience it in that moment and all they have to be ready for is to listen and enjoy and feel, really. I think it's wonderful that you do that because uh, just as a kid, I will never forget being <laughs> loaded on the bus and going off to hear Peter and the Wolf. Oh, yeah. The, what are my first musical memories? I just yeah. think that's terrific. Yeah. Well, you, you not only uh, combined the music, but you also have a festival that you and your husband, Ken David Mazur, also a musician and a, a conductor. Mm-hmm. Together, you're the artistic directors of the Chelsea Music Festival. And we're reading about this. It really makes me want to go because you talk about hearing and tasting and seeing. And so food is even involved. I was thinking, is this like bagels and Beethoven or sauerkraut and Schubert? <laughs> oh, or no, much better. Is this a little classier? Much than better. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, we started in 2010, um, actually the anniversary of Schumann's uh uh, anniversary, um, and we basically pick a theme for the year. It's usually composer-related, um, and last year happened to be Finland because of Sibelius's big 150th yes. birthday. Um, and so we then, after we pick the theme, call up our artist friends and have composers write pieces based on that theme. We call up chef friends, um, and sometimes we don't know who to call, so we'll just call people who do know. Or once we saw Chopped and we saw the chef and said, he's the one. <laughs> um, and they design a five-course tasting menu after several of the performances. And um, it's just so exciting for people to have all these different entry points into listening to music. And really, it's for them to sort of remember that evening. Like I mm. said, it's fleeting. Once it's, the music's yes. over, it's gone. But when you have all these different when you have the visual art that an artist has installed for that evening's concert, 
concert, plus the music, plus the food after. You just have this whole picture of what it is and what you felt during the, the concert. We're all totally smiling, imagining <laughs> this. So it's every June in New York City, so come on down. Mark your calendar exactly. now. Have you have you picked this June we, already? We have. It's June 10th to 18th, 2016, Chelsea Music Festival. And our theme this year is Gravity 350 because it is Newton's 350th anniversary of his discovery of gravity. So the apple up, the apple down in the big apple. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> You've thought through this. That, that, that's that's wonderful. Well, we're going to let you uh, take your place. We're going to hear one more piece. Uh, we want to mention that uh, Melinda, we just spoke with, it recently spent the summer heading up a new piano chamber music program at the Boston University Tanglewood Institute. We mentioned each of these sisters has so many ways they're involved. It would be impossible to list them all, but the, you can learn more at theleetrio.com. We're going to hear the third movement, the scherzo to piano trio in D minor, opus 66 by Felix Mendelssohn. Thank you. 
The third movement of Piano Trio in D minor by Felix Mendelssohn performed now live in studio by the Lee Trio, classical musicians who also happen to be sisters. What a great level of playing. This is thrilling to be here for us today. They're here in Utah performing as part of the Chamber Music Society of Salt Lake's concert series, and they currently have two big projects in the works, recording the complete Beethoven Opus One Piano Trios and the complete Schumann Trios. Find more online at theleetrio.com. All of our thanks and gratitude for a wonderful evening from Lisa Lee, violin, Angela Lee, cello, Melinda Lee, Mazur, piano. If you're listening at home or if you just got part of the show and want to hear the first part or hear it again or share it, it's all easy to do. Our shows are archived online for free on-demand listening at byuradio.org slash highway89. Also follow us on Twitter at BYUH89 for live show updates and special behind-the-scenes photos and video clips. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. Tonight, special thanks to Rob Driggs for watchful page turning. Our engineer is Mark Waite. Our associate producer is Abby Horlocker. And the show's producer is Jackie Tateishi. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thanks for listening. <laughs>